You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about the church, you can reach us at www.bethelassembly.info. I've simply called it Man Up. All the ladies in the house just checked out on me right there. I saw that. It was just like, boop, Pinterest. I saw that happen in that moment. Ladies, let me encourage you, stay with me this morning. Even though I'm calling this morning's message Man Up, and even though I'm going to give several references to being a man, I believe that you can learn something from this. Because we're going to talk about a topic that many of us avoid. We're going to talk about change. We're going to talk about what does that look like in our lives. But today, I hope that every guy in the house feels honored because this is your day. This is Father's Day. So gentlemen, let me say to you, happy Father's Day. This is the day dedicated to men and men alone. We don't get many of those, but this is ours. This is our day. We can make all the bodily noises we want today. We don't have to put on deodorant today. We can sweat all we want. We can sit around the house in just our BBDs or whatever those things called. Yeah, just shorts. Let's go with that. No shirt on. We can just kind of be men today. This is our day. But for the next few moments, I want to challenge you, every guy in the house, every guy that's watching online this morning, every lady as well, I want to encourage you, let God speak into your life. Let God challenge you so that you can be the man of God that God has called you to be to make the needed change in your life, to step up, to be the man that God wants you to be, to be the father that God wants you to be, to be the leader that God's instructing you to be. Let me encourage you today to listen very carefully. Don't zone out on me because I believe that what God has given us for today will change not only our individual lives but our families as well. But before I get into the message, let me give you a few reasons why it's good to be a man. Are you ready for this? Number 10, top 10, 10 to 1. Number 10, you can open your own jars. That's why it's good to be a man. Guys, if you ever have to call your wife into the kitchen to open the jar of pickles, check that man card and never pick it up again. You're a man. Open that jar. It doesn't matter what you have to do to open it. Just do it. Number 9, phone conversations happen in 30 seconds or less. Come on, somebody. Let's take that a little further. Text messages can end with this. K. It's all you need. One letter. Number eight. You don't mooch off someone else's dessert. You order your own. That's why it's good to be a man. Number seven. There's no need to know more than five colors. It's all you need. Five colors. Number six. The same hairstyle lasts for years, possibly even decades. I was in my office a while ago, and I was looking at some early pictures. I've got some posted around my office of Angie and I, and I realized that, that when we were newly married, I had this same haircut. And it's working well for me. Same hairdo, never changes. Number five, this is an encouraging one. Your belly usually hides your hips. That's why it's good to be a man. Gray hair and wrinkles only add character. Good reasons to be a man. Oh, this is really, really good. Number three, if someone fails to invite you to an event, you can still be their friend. I know. 
It's the greatest thing ever, being a man. Number two, this is awesome, wedding plans take care of themselves. I don't know how that works, but suddenly you get engaged, and then the wedding day comes, and everything's lined out. Somehow it happened. It's great to be a man. And finally, number one, if you need to use the restroom, you don't need a support group. That's why it's good to be a man. All right. Let's move past that. Let's jump right into the message this morning because my wife is beginning to give me one of these motions. Um, but number zero, I don't have to listen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, see, it was a top ten list. Zero doesn't count. Zero's not on, on there. Let's, let's move on. Change. Change is what we need to talk about today. Needed change in our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, our text for today. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, uh, and normally we get stuck on Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we fail to go on. Well, today what I want to do is I want to look at that scripture as our launch pad, and then we're going to move forward from that and see what it looks like and how do we go about implementing Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Are you ready for it today? All right, here's our text. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. The world would say that the man is a buffoon. Yes? The world would say that the man is a joke. But the Bible says, and God says, that we are called to be the head of our home. We are called to be the leader in our house. We are called to set an example for the generations that follow behind us. Men, do not be conformed by the world. Do not allow the world to squeeze you into the mold that is designed for you. But instead, let God transform you from the inside out. Today, like I said, we're going to talk about this idea of change. How many of you ever heard of a guy by the name of Red Green? Red Green is a great theologian. Um, Red Green has some great things to offer to men. In fact, I want, as we go into this message today, I want to take just a moment and watch a little clip of Red Green. I think this is going to help kind of set the um, groundwork of where we're headed today. Take a look. I want to talk to you older guys about something you haven't done in a while. Change. Okay? People say you're out of it because for the last 20 years you've been dressing the same way, talking the same way, and thinking the same way. I say good for you. You stick with it. Somebody's got to stand up for tradition. And hold firm because too much is changing. The phone rings weird now. Running shoes look like spaceships. Even the continents are shifting, but not you. You stick to your guns. You keep wearing those short sleeve polyester dress shirts. You keep spouting your opinions to anybody who will listen. Somebody's got to preserve what's normal and sensible in this world. And who knows? Polyester might come back. Maybe your opinions will catch on. People will think you're a genius. But so far, no change. Remember, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. So maybe he's not a great theologian, but I think he's kind of set on something that helps each one of us. Change is hard. Yes? 
Anybody else struggle with change? We are told that people don't like change, but here's the fact. People do like change. They just don't like change that causes them to do something they don't want to do. We all love change. If I was to give you a brand new car, you'd be excited about that change, now wouldn't you? But if suddenly we begin to deal with the inside, that causes something different because that causes a change deep inside, something maybe that we've done for generation after generation. Maybe you're reluctant to move forward with change, and you kind of use uh, Red Green's man's prayer. His, here his, is his man's prayer. I'm a man, but I can change if I have to, I guess. That's kind of the stance that many of us make. So let me ask you this question today. What in your life needs to change. Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's the way that you treat your family. You haven't treated them the way that you should. Maybe it's some habits, some things that you do, something you've allowed just kind of take root in your life that you know is not right, but you need to change. Whatever it happens to be, let me encourage you, change. Our text tells us not to allow our culture to define who we are, not to allow our culture to mold us, but allow God to transform us from the inside out. You see, I don't believe that God is interested in just dressing us up on the outside. I don't believe he just wants us to get a new hairdo. I don't think he just wants us to get a new wardrobe. But what he wants us to do is change on the innermost part of who we are. You see, the Bible says that God doesn't look on the outward, but he looks on the inward of what's happening on the inside. So therefore, Romans 12, verse 2, says that God transform you by changing the way you think. The word transform, by definition, is this. Make a thorough or dramatic change. Look at your neighbor say, it's got to be dramatic. Make a thorough or dramatic change in the form, appearance, or character of. Dad, are you ready to make the dramatic change that is needed in your life so that you can be the man God has called you to be? It starts with a complete surrender. God has already given us the plan. Micah chapter 6, verse 8, lays it out for us. It says, but he, or or God, already made it plain how to live. Now, some of you have been looking around for a long time. You're like, I really don't know how I'm supposed to live in this life. I haven't figured out how I'm supposed to respond because the Bible says one thing, but the world says another thing, and they're trying to conform, and God wants to transform, and I don't really know what to do. Let me give you the answer very quickly today. What God is looking for in men and women, ladies, you're with me here on this also, is quite simple. Do what is fair. Do what is just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Come on, did you see this? Do what is fair. Do what is just to those around you. Or the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. Do what is right. Show compassion. Show loyalty. And finally, don't take yourself so serious. Take God serious. 
So what is the process for the dads in the room or even the moms in the house today or those watching online with us today? What is the process that we need to take in order to put these points into practice and truly be transformed from the inside out? For the next few moments, as I stated, I want to move forward from Romans chapter 12 and I want to read several scriptures and then we're going to apply how do those look and what does that look like in this process of change. Romans chapter 12 Beginning verses 3, we're going to read all the way to verse 18. So if you'll bear with me just a moment. Verse 3 says this, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, this is Paul speaking, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Wow, that's a word for 2018 if I've ever heard one. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. You are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, aren't you appreciative of God's grace In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I appreciate this so much about God. He doesn't require every one of us to be the same. You don't have the same skill set that I have, and I don't have the same skill set that you have. Each one of us has a purpose. Each one of us has a responsibility. Each one of us has a calling by God. In His grace, God has given us different gifts to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If the gift is serving, serve them well. If it's teaching, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be an encourager. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Verse 9, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Rejoice in your confident hope. Be patient in trouble. And keep on praying. By the way, it says keep on praying that he's inferring here that you already are praying. It doesn't say start praying. But keep on praying. Keep doing what you're doing. If you're not praying, you need to get started so you can implement keep on. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Wow, that's hard. Don't curse them. Pray for them. There's that word again. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Dad? Chris? Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace 
with everyone. This morning, very quickly, I want to look at three keys, three avenues, three ways to achieve godly change. Now, I don't think we need to have change just to have change. I think it needs to be God-directed change. So this morning, I'm going to give you three keys. Number one, perform an an honest evaluation of yourself. Take a once-over on your life. The scripture we just read in Micah a few moments ago said, don't take yourself so seriously. Now we see in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. How, quickly we are, how quick we are to self-promote ourselves, to advance ourselves, to put ourselves on a higher pedestal, to raise ourselves or evaluate or to elevate ourselves, to exalt ourselves. But how many of you know the Bible says if we begin to exalt ourselves, if we begin to promote ourselves, guess what's going to happen? We're quickly going to find ourselves being humbled. I have found this firsthand many years ago. I was a worship pastor, and and I remember being behind the keyboard, and I'm leading in worship, and worship was going really well that Sunday. Pastor Andy, you've been there those days. You're thinking, man, this is clipping along. This is going awesome. This is the best week ever, and I'm playing, and I'm leading in worship. I'm thinking, man, we are just doing awesome today. We are kicking it, and everything is going great. I began to self-advance myself and self-promote myself in my mind, and what happened? Blonk. Right about there, a chord that never existed ever was created. God has a way of humbling our lives. Or maybe you see your failures, you see your shortcomings, but in order to justify your actions, in order to justify your behaviors, you quickly do a scan of those around you and think, oh, they're worse than I am, so I'm doing okay. I would never do what they just did. I mean, I read what they put on Facebook. I mean, they say one thing on Sunday, but on Monday, they're tweeting out something that's way off course. I would never do that. You don't see what I'm saying. Suddenly, we begin to compare ourselves, and now we're advancing ourselves a little higher than someone else. Men, it's time to man up. It's time to do an evaluation. Ladies, it's time to do an evaluation of yourself. What is happening on the inside? I'm not talking about what are you doing when you come to church on Sunday. I'm talking about what happens at the workplace when the boss begins to yell at you. What happens when you're driving down that road and the person cuts you off? What happens when things just aren't clipping along like you think they should? What happens when you get that bill from the doctor that you're not really sure how you're going to pay it? What happens in, when, in your household when suddenly everybody starts bickering? What's going on on the inside? What needs to change? Your thoughts? Your actions, your responses, do they reflect what God has in store for your life? If not, what do you need to change? See, if we are to offer a living sacrifice, that's what our text is all about. Offer yourself a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. Don't let the world conform you, but let God transform you. If you're really going to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice... We need to make sure that that sacrifice, the one that we are wanting to present, lines up with what God desires in our lives. Maybe you need to ask yourselves a couple questions. 
do I make it a habit of neglecting time with God? Do I make it a habit of neglecting time with fellow Christians? You see, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling. Oh, it's okay, pastor. I really don't need church. I don't have to go to church to go to heaven. Well, you don't have to have a parachute to jump out of an airplane either, but it helps. Right? We need this community with one another. We need this connectiveness with one another. You need life groups this fall. We've got to advance one another. We've got to encourage one another. We've got to be there for one another. Don't neglect meeting together. Spend time with God on a regular basis. Hide His Word in your heart that you won't sin against Him. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He'll lay out the path for you. Second thing you need to ask yourselves, do I try to get a step up in life even at the expense of other people? See, I don't believe that's a godly way to do it. That's the world's way of doing it. The world will say no matter who you have to step on, no matter what you have to do, get to the very top. But God says honor one another, love one another, encourage one another, promote one another, treat one another how you would want to be treated. What are you doing to those around you? Do you trade eternal treasures for temporary pleasures? Are you trading out your eternal inheritance from God for just a moment of pleasure on this world? Do you have a Lord, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you attitude? See, that's not who he's called us to be. And does your life reflect that Christ is ultimate importance in you? See, if any of these questions fail to line up with what God has in store, then change is a must. The time to start is now. Today is your day. In fact, Lamentations chapter 3 asks a very bold uh, question, and it gives a solid response on the back side. It says this, Why should a living man complain, a man, about the punishment of his sins? Why, why should a man even complain when he's punished for doing wrong? Well, God, it's just not fair. God, why am I going through this? God, why am I facing this? God, why am I experiencing this? I know I did that, but God, you're a gracious God. Surely you would forgive me. Did you ask for forgiveness? Have you surrendered yourself? Have you given yourself to him? Why should a living man complain, a man, about his punishment for his sins? Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Is it just me or do we spend so much time complaining and not enough time examining and repenting? Let me say that again. Is it just me or do we spend so much time complaining and not enough time examining and repenting? I encourage you today, Dad, man up, turn to God, lead by example, lead your household, lead your spouse, lead your children. Your kids are watching. What does it mean to be a man? Your young boys are learning right now. What does it mean to be a man? Your daughters are learning what kind of man they they are drawn to in life. What example are you setting? Test and examine your ways. Return to God. But you see, it's not enough just to perform an evaluation. I could take my car to the car dealership and say, my car's making a clinkity, clinkity, clinkity sound, and they can examine it and go, oh, well, this is going out in your car. But I walk away and go, cool, now I know. Is that going to help me out 
20 miles down the road or 100 miles down the road. No, I'm soon going to find myself broken down on the side. We've got to do something about it. Look at the second key. Pursue your God-given purpose. What is the God-given purpose in your life? The Bible says in His grace, God in all of His graciousness, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. What is that gift that God has poured upon your life? I'm going to share something with you very quickly that is going to revolutionize your fatherhood. It's going to revolutionize your manhood. Ladies, it's going to revolutionize your life as well. Are you ready for this? You are not called to be someone else. Wasn't that a, a load release right there? You weren't called to be somebody else. I wasn't called to be you, and you weren't called to be Tony, and Tony wasn't called to be somebody else. And across the room, we're not called to be someone else. You are not scaled by some other guy's manliness. You're not measured by someone else. God made you, specifically you. Pursue who God has designed you to be. It was Paul that said this, that each and every one of us is given a different purpose. You have a different calling than every other man in the house today. Ladies, you have a different calling than every other lady in the house today. What is that purpose? Now, I can hear you right now. Well, pastor, I, I haven't really discovered God's calling for my life. I really don't know what my purpose is. I, I just kind of come to church and kind of do the church thing. And, well, I figure that's probably good enough. Well, Do you want to know what your purpose is? I, I want to give you the course, the roadmap, the direction of how to find your purpose today. Romans 12, 2, our text. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then. There it is. Then. So in order to get to this place of knowing God's purpose for your life. In order of bringing yourself to that place of change and transformation. You've got to set aside the desire. You've got to set aside the want to follow after the plan and the path that the world has laid out, no matter how crazy it may appear. You've got to push it to the side and focus upon God. Again, seek His kingdom above everything else. Look toward God, the author and the finisher of our faith. You've got to focus upon Him Allow Him to transform you. You see, it's not enough just to look upon Him. But allow Him to do that work inside of you. Transform you by renewing your mind or changing the way you think, some translations say. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Honestly, that should have caused you to... Shout amen or something there because that's good stuff. See, see God, God doesn't leave us out here in this world to go, well, I'm not going to give you a, any sort of manual except my Bible. I'm not going to give you a way to raise kids. I'm not going to give you what marriage is going to entail for you. You can look out for some self-help books someplace. He doesn't just do that. He says, you know what? I'm going to give you what you need to be successful in life. I'm going to give you a purpose. If, 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 if. You will resist the urge 
to allow culture to press you into their mold, if you will resist the urge to try to conform to what society says you should be, and if you will turn to me, and if you will seek after me, and if you will look toward me, and if you will allow me to do a work inside of you, and then allow me to transform you, and then you will allow your mindset to shift in that moment, then you're going to know exactly what I have in store for you. And it's not just going to be an okay will. But it's going to be a perfect, it's going to be a pleasing and a good, good will. That's what God wants to pour into your life. You've got to offer yourselves to him. First and foremost, resist the urge to let society conform you and learn that purpose and that calling in your life. Dad, are you willing to lead your family in this way? Are you willing to pursue God And then watch the change begin to happen. Look at our third key. Portray portray genuine love to all. Portray genuine love to all. Now that is not the word you expected to hear this morning on a man up sermon. I would venture to say that there were a lot of words you thought could have been there. You thought maybe I was going to go back to the Old Testament. We're going to look at some stories on war and conquering nations and and taking the charge and traveling around cities and watching walls come down. We were going to talk about hunting and fishing and sports and cars and manly stuff and eating barbecue. But can I just tell you, there is nothing more manly than this four-letter word, love, L-O-V-E. Now, ladies, you let me down. That was a setup, knock them out of the park moment for you to go, that's right. That was my best female voice this morning. Hope it came across. I kind of like sound like, those were the days. Some of you remember all in the family. That, that, was, that was her. Um, the word love is the word that I believe is the most manly word of them all. Men, are you portraying love to your family as God has instructed you? You are to love your wives as Christ loves the church. What does that mean? He was willing to give himself. The ultimate sacrifice, greater love has no one than this. And he laid down his life. Are you willing to lay down your life? For your family? Are you willing to be the example of love by sharing with those around you? Now, I'm not talking about a weird, fuzzy chick flick moment here. What I'm talking about is real, sincere, genuine love. Over and over in the Bible, we see the word love brought to the surface. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Don't just pretend to love others. Now, we're somewhat good at that, guys. We can put on a a false front every once in a while. But the Bible says, man, don't do that. Don't just pretend that you love one another. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Guys, it's okay to tell your kids, I love you. It's okay. To look at them square in the eyes. Maybe you're 70 years old and you've never told your family you love them. Your response is, well, they know. Do they? Do they? It's okay to use those words, I love you. 
It doesn't make you less of a man. It doesn't make you less Chuck Norris. It's okay to say love. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. We see in the Gospels at one moment Jesus looks at Peter and if you remember prior to Christ's crucifixion, Peter had denied that he knew Christ denied him three times. And in this moment, sitting around this fire, Jesus looks Peter in the eye, a great friend of his, and he says, Peter, man, be honest with me. Do you love me? Peter says, you know, Lord, I love you. He says, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? I think it's as if Christ is looking at us today saying, do you love me? If so, will you let that love show to those around you? See, we are to be clothed in all of Christ and all that he is. To allow his very nature to be evident in us. Galatians says the Holy Spirit produces this inside of us and it begins with the word love. God, by definition, is love. Loved us so much that he sent Jesus. Are you willing to portray that kind of love, Dad? Put aside your macho preconceived ideas for just a moment and just love. Love those in your home. Love those in your church. Love those in your community. To make an impact for the kingdom of God. See, what we're talking about today is change. It's evaluating who we are and what's happening in our lives. It's discovering and pursuing that purpose that God has for us. And now it's taking that and it's combining the very nature of love, of who God is, because God and love can't be separated. So if he is in us, that love's got to be in us. And it's putting that in action. So I ask you this, how do we go about accomplishing this change? How do we put all of these things into action? What does that look like? I want to give you several points very quickly. As we're going on through Romans chapter 12, here's the first thing I see. He says, don't be lazy. You see, you, you can't be lazy and achieve what God has called you to achieve. Can I be honest with you? The work of God is hard. It really is. But the outcome on the other side is well worth it. Romans 12, 11, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Oh, praise God, it's church morning. Serve God enthusiastically. Dad, your kids are watching you. They're discovering what it means to be a man. What sort of example are you setting for them? You see, as a society, we are raising a generation of people that feel more entitled than they have a desire to work. I, Pastor Ryan was telling us about a, a scholarship, and he was telling for Chandler for, for college, and it ended up being too late, but he was watching this thing by, I think it was Mike, the, the dirty jobs guy, and, and Mike was saying, man, I, I love to give away like $5 million a year, something like that. He said, but the problem is, most of these students, they don't want to fill out an essay because it's too much work. What sort of generation, what sort of future are we raising up? Growing up, I can't tell you how many times I heard statements like this. Work is not always easy. Sometimes it can be downright difficult. 
Anybody else ever experienced that in life? Work is not always easy. Sometimes it's just tough. Monday mornings are hard. And then we have Dwayne The Rock Johnson once said this, success isn't always about greatness. It's about consistency. Consistent hard work leads to success. Greatness will come. And then Thomas Edison once said this, the three great essentials to achieve anything worthwhile are first, hard work, second, stick-to-it-iveness, and three, common sense. We've lost a lot of those in our culture. We've lost the idea of hard work. We've lost the idea of really sticking with it and moving forward with it. And common sense is just gone. Can I just be honest with you? So I ask you today, Dad, I'm asking you today, Mom, are you willing to set that bar high to show your kids that hard work is vital, that laziness will never achieve anything of lasting value? Remember, the Bible instructs us to do all that we do as if it's being done to the glory of God. I believe there's some change that needs to be made. The next thing that I see here is this. We've got to hold firm to the hope that we have in God. Hold firm to the hope that we have in God. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. Confident hope. Hope. Now, I don't believe this is just talking about one day we're going to spend eternity in heaven. Yes, that is the end hope. That is the end longing. That is what we're waiting for. We know that day. There's coming a day when he's going to open up the windows of heaven. There's coming a day when he's going to call all those who have received him as Lord and Savior. Call him to be with him for all eternity. But what do we do now? I believe that eternity, I believe that hope starts today. Amen. I believe that we hope we have in God begins right now. He will never leave us. He's always there for us in good times and bad times. His love never fails. His mercies are refreshed each and every day. We know that His grace is more than enough. He will always forgive our sins to be remembered no more. Casting as far as the east is from the west. He will never forsake us at all. God is calling us to hold upon Him, to rest upon Him, to lean upon Him. When you don't have the answer, you go to Him. James tells us this, when you lack wisdom, ask your generous God and He will give out of His abundance. We have a hope that's found in Christ and Christ alone. You don't have to be a father all by yourselves. You have the heavenly father walking right beside you. It's time for change. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the resolutions. You don't have to have it all figured out. Hold on to that hope that we have in Christ The next thing I see is vitally important. Pray, pray, and pray some more. Be consistent, the Bible says, in prayer. Now that word consistent is a very strong Greek word that simply implies continuous persistence, perseverance, and insistence. Continuous persistence perseverance and insistence. It's going on and never stopping. It's moving forward and never halting. It's not wavering. It's not questioning. It's pressing forward, relying upon God. It's not just for us as Christians, but it's for us as mom and dad. Seek after God. Pray, 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 and pray some more. Why? Because prayer is our direct line to the Father. We're going to talk more about prayer in just a couple of weeks. 
encourage you, hold tight to that. Next, become God's hands and feet. Dad, are you the hands and feet of God? Are you putting the word of God into action? Verse 13 says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality over and over and over. We see Jesus making reference to reaching beyond yourself, to being a servant, to loving those around you, for looking out for others, for caring for each one, and learning to serve. We are called with a purpose. The purpose is this, be the hands and the feet of God. Are you displaying that to your family? Have you gotten your eyes off of self? Remember it said this also. Don't think of yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. And he's instructing us to serve. To be his hands. To be his feet. Next, bless your enemies. If you really want the change to occur, if you really want God to transform what's happening on the inside, you've got to begin to bless your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them, but pray that God will bless them. This simply means that you need to forgive those that have wronged you. Pray for them. Pray that God will bless them. But pastor, that just doesn't seem right. You are so correct. That doesn't seem right. What seems right according to culture is if someone does you wrong, do them wrong worse. Hurt them. Deface them. Defile them. Condemn them. Humiliate them. That's what society says. But Romans says, don't let the world conform you, but let God transform you. You've got to pray for them. You've got to forgive them. You've got to love them. Our first response should not be to curse them. Our first response should not be harsh rebuttal or physical harm. Our first response should be pray, pray, and pray. Finally, Dad, if you really want to create the change that God has in store for you, when all else fails, remain humble. Don't think you know what all the Bible says. This is hard for us, guys. We associate the word humble with the word weak. Oh, they're humble. Well, they're just weak. They need to man up. They need to toughen up. No, no, no. I think in order to man up, the greatest way that you can man up is to humble yourself. When Christ climbed to the cross of Calvary, he humbled himself. At any moment, he could have said enough is enough, but he showed the greatest love of all. He showed what it really meant to be a man. He took it all for us. Here's the word I'd rather you use instead of the word weak. Power under control. That's what it means to be humble. Allow His power and His ability to work through us under His control. We like to think that we know it all. But let's be honest. We don't always have the answer. And that's okay. That's why we need to fully rely upon God and pray, pray, pray. We need to allow who we are to be based upon who He is. 
You see, we are defined not by us, but we're defined by Him. We're defined by whose we are. James 4 says, if we'll humble ourselves before God, He will lift us up. Guys, today is your day to change. Today is the day to give it all to God. Will you make this the greatest Father's Day of all? Will you set the example for your family to follow today? Will you surrender to God and allow that change to take place right here and right now? Father's Day 2018. Will you set a new line? Will you draw a line in the sand and say, from this day on, I'm moving forward with God? Dad, it's time to man up. Mom, it's time to allow the change to take root inside of our lives. Are you ready to follow after God? Would you bow your heads with me?